as much as your word is true, completely accurate, Lord, help us to fully believe your word exactly as it is presented by your spirit. And Lord, may we run and be those who are used by you to hasten the day, the day of the Lord. May that be our life commitment, and may our eyes see. In Jesus' name we pray. I thank God for the privilege of standing here, and our Father in the Lord, Venerable Prophet C.K., it's a privilege to share God's word with us, and we are looking at go into the world, the place of the gospel in world affairs. We've read it in the gospel, but turn again with me to Matthew 24 and verse 14. Matthew 24 and verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Before that, Jesus had made it clear that certain things would not be the end. Uh, Jesus had said, You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end will is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Amen? There are so many women here who have experienced labor pains and delivered. Can I see your hand? You've experienced labor pains, you've delivered. Right. Uh, that's the more accurate translation of that, not the beginning of sorrows, but the beginning of birth pains. The upheavals that we are experiencing in Nigeria, the upheavals we are experiencing in the world, what Jesus calls them are labor pains. And he says they are the beginnings, the beginnings, the beginnings uh, so, whether it is ISIS, Daesh versus the Western world, Boko Haram versus the Nigerian government, uh, whether it is the problem of IDPs, the escalating cost of corn, um, the difficulty in accessing food, whether it is earthquakes, the Bible tells us that these things are 
but the beginning of labor pains. I, I see gynecologists here, so permit me to freely use their skills. Uh, Prof, you are my friend, so I can uh, come for you. When a woman has challenges when she is pregnant, maybe her feet are swelling and her blood pressure is rising, uh, what will bring an end to that problem? Delivery. Oh. Oh. He didn't say diuretics to reduce it. And he didn't say, he said delivery. Oh. There are some women who, when they're pregnant, they experience itching. It keeps itching them. What will bring an end to the itching? You treat with drugs. What will make it so that they will not need those drugs? When the baby is out. Delivery again. I, I have a friend, when she was pregnant, it's a family friend, she had itching. And I know one of us who, I'm sure she's somewhere in the congregation today here, when she was pregnant, she was admitted for months. And once there was delivery, admission ended, troubles ended. Do you have a different concept, sir? No, not at all. I'm privileged to have children. And I remember one Tuesday when we had discussions. My wife and I, she was heavy for our third child. After the discussions, we went to bed. Friends had come, relations had come. And about 2 a.m., she woke me up. And I could see she was in pains. And uh, it was coming in waveforms. Uh, would pain relievers, opiates, petidine, would that have been what I should give to her? No. Aren't I a loving husband who wants to keep my wife from pain? Well, um, I think the end of the matter is that she should deliver the baby. <laughs> Thankfully, we had our bags ready, and I'll tell you a little family issue. That day, my car failed me. It refused to start, and that day, I proposed, I will sell this car. <laughs> that was the end of that car. I had to knock on a neighbor's house, and thank God the neighbor said, what are we neighbors for? Hallelujah. Now, we know that whenever there are labor pains, that whenever there are issues with regard to a woman pregnant, that the solution to all the travail is that the baby must come down. Giving her opiates will make matters worse, to make the baby floppy. Giving her all those other things because you're a loving, kind husband is misdirected, ignorant. What is it that you must focus on so that these matters will end? 
let the baby come down. And the Lord has said that the upheavals, the Lord has said that the issues of Boko Haram, the issues of, 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 of instability, the issues that we see of kidnapping and all that, that they are the beginnings of labor pain. And it is when the gospel of the kingdom has been preached in all the world as a witness to every nation that the end will come. And all we seem to do is to push pain reliever. All we seem to want to do is to get legislation against these things. Counter-revolutionaries against those who are Boko Haramists and Fulani headsmen. You see, let me make it clear again. It's not legislation. It's not the return of good luck Ebele Jonathan or Trump, God bless their souls. Neither is it the militia. It's not IPOP or MASOB becoming recognized as the security outfit of the Southeast Zone. No. It's not even if our brother Osim Bajo becomes the commander-in-chief of the armed forces. No way. It's not any of these things that will stop it. You know what 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 13 says? Huh? Can you get there? 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 13. But evil men and seducers, imposters, will get better and better. Will get better and better. Will get refined by legislation. Will be transformed by education. What does the scripture there say? They will grow from bad to worse. Irrespective of whoever is in charge as the governor, as the president. I was, I was in, I was in a place, and a pastor's wife said to me, "Ah, has kidnapping in Nigeria stopped?" I looked at her. I said, "The Bible says that imposters will get worse and worse. How can you be asking me whether it has stopped?" What you should be asking me, I didn't say that to her, is has the gospel been preached in all the world? When you know what the solution is, you know there's even a situation where a pregnant woman may have physiologic instability from trauma and your infusions are not working, uh, the experts say if the womb can be evacuated, 
she will become stable. Am I correct? Yes. You need to go ahead and see to it that what will bring an end is what you are focused on. Does it mean that it's no use to be in politics? No, it's nice to be in politics, but know that uh, that's not what's going to end it. Does it mean we shouldn't be involved with legislation and advocacy? Of course, Christians must be involved in advocacy. But understand that they are not the things that will bring the end. There is one thing and just one thing that will herald the end. And that is what, beloved brethren, the gospel being preached in all the world to every ethnos, to every ethnic group. That is what will end it. Recently, the service chiefs have been changed. That's not going to end it. We're hoping for Igbo presidency in 2023. That won't stop it. It is the gospel that will herald the end of the world's upheavals. Preach it. Can we say it together? It is the gospel that will herald the end of the world's upheavals. Preach it. Can you look at your neighbor and say, preach the gospel. That is what will herald the end. Hallelujah. Well, what's going to happen when we preach the gospel? We need to know that. Let's look at that and then run to a close. Luke chapter 10, verse 1. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others, 72 others, and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. And you say, where he was about to go. When you are preaching the gospel, it heralds the visitation of the Lord himself to that city, to that country, to that place. That's what the gospel does. The gospel heralds the Lord's coming. So, if you want the Lord to visit your workplace, what should you do as you are working? Hey, 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 hey. If you want the Lord to visit your workplace, what should you be doing as you are doing your work excellently? Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. Make sure your work is excellent. Make sure your work is without fault. Make sure your work is done cheerfully. And make sure that as you work, you push the gospel in. If you want God to visit your home... Make your home a place where the gospel is preached to those who visit, to those who dwell, to those who do business. Want God to visit the prostitutes? Preach the gospel to them. 
want Jesus to visit Boko Haramists, preach the gospel to them. Hallelujah. Wherever and whomsoever you desire the Lord to visit. You know, that's why Jonah refused to go. He understood this. He understood that when the message is taken, that the Lord, the Lord, compassionate and merciful, would manifest. They said, I'm not going. I'm not going. I'm not going. What is the place of the gospel in world affairs? The gospel heralds the presence, the coming of the Lord in those places. Preaching the gospel in a place heralds his visitation. Can we say that? Preaching the gospel in a place heralds his visitation. And I'm so happy that it's not just the place where you preach it that the gospel will, uh, that the Lord will visit. In Matthew chapter 11 verse 1, you know in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus has said, pray that he sends forth laborers. In Matthew chapter 10, we'll get to look at it more. He had commissioned them. And Matthew 11 verse 1, now when Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach where? In their cities. So if God sends you to Enugu to minister the gospel and you are from Ungu, Jesus won't just visit Enugu. Jesus would also do what? Visit Ungu. Hallelujah. Now these are principles which don't change, which don't stop. America has been the biggest missionary sending nation and we have seen God do a lot of things in America. When UK, even though UK is much smaller than Nigeria, was the biggest sending nation, she was also the world's power. South Korea became a big missionary sending nation and South Korea is a huge economic power. Hallelujah. Those are spin-offs. They are not the purpose of preaching the gospel. No. But they are spin-offs when you are committed and given the word of God the way you are supposed to do it. However, on the immediate term, preaching the gospel brings division, brings persecution. So that you don't think that, oh, when you are preaching the gospel, um, everybody is going to be happy with you and all things will move very fine. Things will move fine, but you are going to meet a lot of resistance. Hallelujah. Now, Jesus made it clear, and I'd like for us to also listen to him. Matthew 10, let me read from verse 16. 
I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. Be on your guard against men. They will hand you over to local councils and flog you in their synagogues. On my account, you'll be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not even worry about what you are going to say or how to say it. At that time, you'll be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death, and father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. All men will hate you because of me, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Hallelujah. So, yes, it is true that the gospel is what will bring the herald of the end, but know it that when you preach the gospel, which you must, it will also bring about division. It will also bring about persecution. Oh, we'd like to think that when we obey God perfectly and don't do anything contrary to the plan and purpose of God, that we will not be persecuted. I've got news for you. It is when you are following the will of God perfectly and doing exactly what God wants that you will experience persecution the more. Hallelujah. 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 Cycles of travail, persecution, and rest in between are destined but let me let you know that those cycles, those travails coming in waves, there's a secret in Romans chapter 11. Let's read that secret. Romans 11, 25 to 27. It's tucked away. Many times we don't talk about it. For I want to let you know about this secret, brothers, so that you will not claim to be wiser than you are. Stubbornness has come to part of Israel until the full number of the Gentiles come to faith. In this way, all Israel will be saved, as it is written, the Deliverer will come from Zion. He will remove ungodliness from Jacob. This is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Hallelujah. What are we saying in essence? Until the gospel gets into Israel and penetrates, we will continue to have these things. There is more. Move a bit forward. Romans chapter 11 again. I'll read from 11 to 15. So I ask, they have not stumbled so as to fall, have they? Of course not. On the contrary, because of their stumbling, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make the Jews jealous. Now, if their stumbling means riches for the world 
and their four means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full participation mean? I'm speaking to you Gentiles because I'm an apostle to the Gentiles. I magnify my ministry in the hope that I can make my people jealous and save some of them. Listen. If their rejection results in reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance bring but life from the dead? It is when the nation of Israel has turned to know the Lord that this event of Romans chapter 11 verse 15 will take place. That's what the scripture says. That's what the scripture says. Thank God the Nigerian church has a plan in place to take the gospel all the way back to Israel. Hallelujah. In fact, from Romans 8, 22 to 24, we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan, waiting for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. In this hope we were saved. What hope is seen? Now, hope that is seen is not hope. Who hopes for what he sees? The redemption of our bodies is not talking about being born again. I hope you know that. We're already born again. Okay. The adoption as sons that is referred to here is not being the son of God. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3 from verse 1 to 3, Now, not tomorrow, now are we the sons of God. Okay? But it does not yet appear what we will be. But when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is anybody who has this hope purifies himself even as he is pure hallelujah you need to have the gospel go all the way around before you can expect this to be fulfilled so what is our response is it really possible for us to influence the time of the end? Aren't these things things that God in his sovereignty has fixed and will bring about in his timing? Oh, yes, 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 of course. But God has a rule for us. Amen? Now, take for instance Jesus' statement, pray that it may not be in winter or on Sabbath when you flee. There's no point Jesus asking you to pray if your prayers cannot influence the matter. Have you ever seen where Jesus said, pray that the abomination of desolation will not take place? Have you ever seen that in scripture? Huh? No, he won't ask you to pray for something that is inevitable. Okay? Huh. Has he ever asked you to pray so that those who... Uh, so that the lake of fire will be exterminated and that there will be no need for anybody to be cast into the lake of fire. Have you ever heard him ask you to pray for such? No. So, when Jesus 
asks us to pray, it means that our prayers are going to have some influence. Now, listen to Second Peter chapter 3 as we are winding down. Second Peter chapter 3, I'll read it in different versions, verse 11 and 12. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, think of the kind of holy and godly people you ought to be as you look forward to and hasten the coming of the day of God when the heavens will be set ablaze and dissolved and the elements melt with fire. Let's listen to good old good news Bible. Verse 12. As you wait for the day of God and do your best to make it come soon. Can you say do your best to make it come soon? Can you say it again? And one, what is one of the things to do your best in doing to make it come soon? The gospel. Now let me read for you the literal standard version. Uh, literal standard version came out last year. So for those of us who like new versions of the Bible, it's a derivative of the um, uh, Young's translation, literal translation. That verse is waiting for and hurrying the coming of the day of God by which the heavens being on fire will be dissolved. So, you are in a position to influence and encourage that day to come faster. Or, by doing nothing, influence the day in a different way. You remember that God had destined a king to die and the king came to Ahab and said my brother, my brother, my brother and Ahab spared him and God said Kai the man I had destined to die you have left alive therefore your people will go for his people have you read that in the Bible before? have you read it in the Bible before? Aha. we have a role to play and we must not sit on our oars. I want us to listen to Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a slave of Jesus Christ, called as an apostle and singled out for God's good news. Can you say it and uh, look into the eyes of your neighbor? I am a slave of Jesus Christ. I am singled out for the gospel. I am singled out for the gospel. You see, the future is not in the hands of me yet, Allah. The plan of Muslims to be the dominant religion by year 2025 in Africa is not in their hands. It's in your hands. Every projection that is being made, biological evangelism, um, jihad evangelism, none of them takes into precedence, takes into consideration the factor of revival and evangelism. And that is at your hands. That's in your hands. You see, Satan 
will not mind if you bring food to people as much as he minds if you proclaim the message of Christ. And I've got news for us. The gospel is described in Romans chapter 1 verse 16. Let me say it and tell me if I'm correct. I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it contains the power of God for salvation to everyone that believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Did I put that correctly? Huh? You don't agree? Oh, where did I miss it? Yeah. Thank you. The gospel does not contain. The gospel is the power. So if you want the power of God to be manifest in a place, just preach. Just preach. Just preach. You are afraid of Mieti Allah. Preach! You are afraid of cultists. Just preach the gospel. The gospel is the power of God. Not of men. Not of philosophy. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to them that believe. And we want to do every other thing else. We want to call meetings. We want to have committees. We want to bring up communiques. Every other thing that focusing on preaching the gospel. Beloved, if you want the power of God, preach the gospel. And I want you to know, those of you that are hearing me in Saudi Arabia, those of you that are hearing me in Europe, in Australia, those of us here that have been promoted, made deputy register, made professors, made fellows, made consultants, the kingdom of God has singled you out in those offices and those places for the gospel. Uh, Paul said, I am a slave called to be an apostle, singled out for the gospel. The favor you have received has come from the presence of God for the gospel. Let me use this parable and then we can close. You see, there are some mothers and fathers who are concerned about their sons that they are getting a bit old and they want them to marry. Okay? So they organize some get-togethers uh, with people and uh, they uh, want those people to come and uh, meet their sons and all that. If, let me ask one of my friends, if at the end everybody has eaten and everybody has gone home 
and uh, the food was fine, the, the atmosphere was fine, and everybody went home, and his son never discussed with any other person outside that. As far as the parents are concerned, was it a success? A huge failure. <laughs> a huge failure, but people ate. That wasn't the aim. Prof, because, forgive me, you know you are my friend. You are my friend, please. Eh? Someone spends more than a million naira on IVF. Okay? And at the end of nine months, no baby has come. As far as that person is concerned, was it a success? Total failure. Total failure. Even though there was conception and pregnancy, but as far as that person is concerned, it's a failure. Let me tell you now, all the promotions you have received, all the elevations you have got, all the favors you have received, unless and until they are counting for the gospel, as far as heaven is concerned, it's a failure. It's a failure. Do you know that in Matthew chapter 20, Jesus says that some people were there and they asked, why haven't you gone into the field? Why have you been idle all day? He said, no man has employed us. As far as heaven is concerned, until you are laboring in the vineyard, you are idle. Let me give us some statistics so that we can close. We need to have the attitude of Matthew 20, 24, which says, none of these things move me. None of these things move me. I must finish by course. Can we have a bit of the statistics? This is the end. Yeah. Next. In 1963, I want to give us a little encouragement, a little encouragement. In the Nigeria census of 1963, what was the Christian percentage population? 34%. 34%. But then, we moved forward. The next one, by 2008 Afrobarometer poll, we had moved to almost equal 49% Christian, 50% Muslim, and all hell broke loose. All hell broke loose. You will know that it is from about that time that the spate of all kinds of trouble came up in Nigeria. It was like an intolerable thing. So much so that Obasanjok had to ask that, please, when we do the next census, don't put religion. Do you remember? Uh, next one. By 2012 survey, the Christian population was estimated at 49.3% and Muslims at 48.8%. And all kinds of things were happening in the country. You see, next slide. By last year, 
the Muslim population, um, well, by last year, the death rate among Christians was estimated at 2,200. And Nigeria, by 2014, was declared as the most dangerous country to be a Christian. So the rate of movement has slowed down. But thank you. Next one. This is what is happening today. By looking at other places, you may see other statistics. But I would love to look at the statistics of joshuaproject.net. That is where you will see what is happening in Christianity today. What's the Christian population of Nigeria? 51.1%. The church of God is marching on. The church of God is moving on. The gates of hell will not prevail. We have given our blood and we will give our blood. And if you will continue, if you will preach the gospel, if you will rise up, We'll do it. So, rise up, ye champions of God. Rise up, you royal nation. Rise up and bear his light abroad. We'll reach this generation. Shall we pray? 
Let that song resound in your heart every day of your life. I tell you, we're not going to hand over to the next generation to finish the task. We're going to join with the next generation. Our ambition is to see the Lord return in our generation. Talk to the Lord. Talk to the Lord. Talk to the Lord. What's your response? Is heaven going to have the benefits of the promotions? The benefits of the blessings? The benefit of the elevations of moving you to Saudi, moving you to Australia, moving you to France. Talk to the Lord. Father, we surrender our lives for your cause as we give ourselves to be slaves carried around in the victory procession of Jesus. Make use of us as the aroma of Christ wherever you cause us to be. And cause it, O Father, that our eyes will see the return of the King and that our eyes, O God, will see souls coming right all the way. In Jesus' name we pray. Oh, Lord, we deserve-